Welcome to Shatterproof. I am your host, Todd Callahan. You can follow me on Instagram at Pastor Todd Callahan. You can download our church app under Ignite Church VT. You can connect with us online at ignitechurchvt.com. It's going to be an incredible show today. You don't want to miss it. Share this podcast, share this episode, and I'll be right back with you. What an incredible time in culture we are living right now. With everything happening all over the world, throughout the nation, it's just amazing that humanity has just not exploded. <laughs> uh, you know, um, just all kinds of things happening. You see everything taking place with the truckers up in Ottawa, uh, Canada, throughout the different provinces up there. Um, there's consideration and talk of that happening here in the United States. People are done with the mandates. People are over all of this COVID protocol. I don't know about you, but I'm ready that for 2022 to be a little bit different, quite a bit different than 2020 and 2021. And I found myself um, quite a bit more um, defiant, so to speak, of uh, some of these continual masking mandates and um, um, proof of vaccine requirements in places here in Vermont. Um, you know, many, many of you know the story that I've experienced personally over the past two years in fighting off the governor's office, the health commissioner, the attorney general, when they were trying to close churches and make sure that people weren't gathering. And we won that fight. We fought that battle and we remained open and did everything that we needed to do to allow people to make those decisions about assembling and coming together to worship their God, as is our constitutional right and the freedom that we have to do that in this nation. And we're so grateful for that and we can never let go of that. But this past week, I was, uh, my wife and I were doing some shopping throughout uh, one of the local towns that just recently extended their um, mask mandate in public settings and um, decided that, you know, most of the, most of the stores, I'll give credit to most of the stores around the area. They, you know, you walk in without a mask, even though they've got signs posted, no one says anything to you, uh, which is exactly how it needs to be. If you choose to wear a mask, you, you can wear one if you want. If you don't want to wear a mask, you shouldn't be forced to do something against your own will. So, you know, and, and they turn around and say that it's, it, you know, you have a choice. Your choice is either put the mask on or don't shop here. Well, I went to a store called Ulta. We were in um, uh, the area. We, we were out of some face cleaning products. And my wife was like, let's run into Ulta real quick and, and get some of that stuff. So we walked up to the door. And of course, they have their you know, sign. You can't enter this um, establishment you know, unless you have a mask on. And you know, that's usually all over the stores and all over the front entrances as you walk in. And we usually ignore them and just walk in. And no one says a word. Well, we walk in and immediately this young girl uh, with green, purple colored hair, um, you know, if that tells you kind of about where she was coming from, um, immediately was in disbelief that we just walked past the sign without a mask on. And so we kind of saw her out the side of our eye and we, we just, you know, kept walking and went straight over to the area that we normally go to um, to get our, our, our face cleaning products. And, um, she immediately came up behind us It's like, excuse me, excuse me, sir, ma'am, you must put a mask on. You must put a mask on immediately. And I turned and looked at her and I said, no, we're good. Thank you. And she continued to press and continued to, to, to make, force us uh, verbally to the, tell, telling us we needed to put a mask on. And I'm in complete disbelief that she's continuing to do this. And I looked at her again and I said, I'm not putting a mask on. 
And, and she was just dumbfounded. She called out to somebody. And then I looked at her again. I said, well, what are you going to do? And she said, I'm going to ask you to leave the store. And I looked at her and I said, well, what if I refuse to ask the store to leave the store? And then her head was about to pop off her shoulders when, when I said that. And so my wife looked at me and, and God gives us, you know, um, incredible wives to support us, encourage us and keep us out of trouble sometimes. And I was just about, you know, to say something to the manager or whoever it was she was calling. My wife looked at me and said, you know what? It's not worth it. Let's just go. And so, you know, I said, okay, but on our way out, I, I decided to let, you know, the individuals know that, Hey, I'm going to go buy this product that I was in here in your store in Ulta to buy. I'm going to go ahead and buy that directly from the company that that, that sells uh, their product here. I'm going to buy it directly from them and just bypass Ulta altogether. And of course, the employees don't care because they're not the ones that have to worry about the overhead and the financial aspects of a business. But, you know, I feel for some of these these companies that are, are being forced by five people or so sitting on these town select boards or these little city councils and forcing these businesses to comply or they're going to get fined or, you know, they're going to be closed. I feel for these businesses and these store managers. I don't fault the employee for doing what she needed to do based on what she's been told to do by that store manager or whoever is, is whoever is the owner of that specific franchise, if that's how they do it. I'm not sure how Ulta does that. But you could see the fear on her face when, I, when we walked in without a mask on. When she confronted us, you could see the fear in her eye, in her eyes. And, and I was just dumbfounded at the fact that this 20-something-year-old young lady was bewildered at the fact that we did not have a piece of cloth over our face. And as I'm walking out, one of the things that she said to me was, this is for my safety. It's for my safety. And there were so many things that were running through my mind that I wanted to say, but I didn't. And I realized that, that we're in a culture right now that is in such divide, thanks to our politicians in Washington, D.C., thanks to the politicians in our state capitals, and then our local municipalities with our uh, select boards and our city councils and our school boards and, and all of these other um, um, hierarchies that have been put inside of our local communities that think they know better than you. And I'm, uh, as, as after that encounter happened, one of my favorite verses is found in 2 Peter chapter 1. And this is, this is a verse that has, that has been one of my favorites for many, many years. And, it's, and it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. For this, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. 
Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. So this whole passage of scripture right here that we read, that we read together in second Peter chapter one talks about character and integrity, because I believe we're on the verge of losing it in a generation. See, in that moment where my flesh really wanted to kind of jump out of my skin and just be like, you know, listen, uh, I disagree wholeheartedly with every premise that you probably represent, but I didn't because the Holy Spirit is within us to be able to temper us in those moments. And I believe that if you're going to have disagreements with people face to face, man, you got to do it in love. You got to do it in peace. You got to do it in gentleness. Don't be like some of these crazy um, uh, people that, that are showing themselves all throughout our culture where they're screaming at one another and you got people cussing people out on social media and getting to all these different, you know, banterings back and forth over vaccines and masking and, 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 you know, all kinds of crazy stuff right now in the culture. Just if, if you're going to push back on anything like I did, do it in love, do it in peace, do it in gentleness. And if you see that's not going to be reciprocated on the other side, you've got a decision to make. And I believe that if we're going to model great character and great integrity, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not so sure that my generation did a great job at passing down to millennials a good strand of core values. I think my generation, Gen, Gen X, I think we did a bad job at passing down um, a great strand, a strong core of values. And we now have a very image-driven generation. And the problem with an image is that an image is not real. It's a depiction of something that is. And I believe that social media, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook are all driving forces behind the image factor because what we do is we show everybody the highlight reel. And that's not real stuff. You know, you're smiling on social media. You're taking your Instagram pictures. Your kids are together, families together. You know, you're posting pictures at your job, you know, making it look like you're, you know, you're working really hard when actually you really hate it and you play more games on your phone than you actually do work, right? You know, you, you, you take pictures at the beach, but you pull up the filters and you're touching up your muscles and giving yourself six pack, you know, and, 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 and abs when you don't really have them. That's not real. And that's what this generation does. So we all project something that we cannot live up to. So what happens is when people meet you, they can't help but be disappointed by what they see because you've sold them on an image of something that you truly can't live up to. And I want to speak to this generational, you know, I want to speak into this generational influence because I believe that integrity begins with power because without integrity, you're powerless. God is powerful because God has integrity. God is integrated. He is one. Isaiah 6, 1 says that in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one called out to the other and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And I remember when we have four kids and I remember when, when, um, our, our, our kids were small, they were little, they were just getting out of the shopping cart and, and wanting to walk around on their own. 
And they would put their hands on everything. Come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you walk down an aisle and they're like touching everything. And you're like, don't touch that. Leave it alone. Stop, stop. And I remember specifically with our boys, our twin boys, on more than one occasion, they would reach out to grab something and inevitably they'd drop it, it'd slide off the shelf and it would fall and break. And sometimes we would be kind of a little bit further down the aisle and we'd turn and just watch their reaction to see what they would do. And sometimes, to be honest with you, they would, you know, they would bring the item to us that they broke, but sometimes they would take the item and they put the broken item right back on the shelf. So I remember we would go and take the broken item from the shelf or, you know, the item that they brought to us and put it in the shopping cart and we would move on and finish our shopping and take care of whatever we needed to do. And I remember specifically this one time at Super Target in Orlando, Florida, when we lived there, we would, we got up to the cashier and, and, you know, put the stuff on the belt and they ended up getting to the item that was broken. And they looked at us like, why are you putting this broken thing on the, uh, on the belt to, to be paid for? And I would look at them and say, listen, my kids accidentally broke it. So I brought it here to pay for it. And they would stand there and stare at me like I had 10 heads. Like, are you kidding me? And we would say, no, our kids broke it, so we need to pay for it. And what that kind of reaction tells me is that that is no longer the norm in our culture. That somebody would have the character and integrity to say, hey, this happened while no one was watching, and I still need to pay for it. I, I need to make it right. Even though no one was watching and we could have got away with it and, and, and left you, the store, with the bill, there was something inside of us that made us do the right thing and admit to it and go pay for it. And see, that's the problem with so many people today in our culture and our generation that are sick on the inside. It's because even though they may have gotten away with things that nobody knows, see, they look in the mirror and they know who they really are and they have contempt and they have disgust for themselves because they know they don't really mean what they say and they don't say what they mean. But I want to tell somebody that God's word says what it means and means what it says and there is no in-between. But understand, in this generation, we have a tremendous ability to compartmentalize. And this is the scary part. Like, where is the fear of God anymore in our culture? Where's the fear of God? You you remember back in the day when you didn't even have to be saved, but yet you had a fear and a respect of God? They didn't even go to church. They weren't saved. They, they weren't believers, but they still had a fear of God. Well, if there's a God, I, I, you know, I don't want to do this because I'm afraid of what might happen. That's gone. And in this generation, we have a tremendous ability to compartmentalize. And I, I heard a story about a, a, a pastor who was about to go through a divorce and his pastor, his senior pastor confronted him and said, well, how's this going to affect your ministry? And that young pastor, you know, responded back to him and said, well, how does divorce affect my ministry? I can still do ministry. And you can see how some have the ability to take their faith and put it in a room and take their ministry and put it in a different room and take their personal life and put it in a different room. But none of them are integrated. Now, don't don't message me and say, are you saying that you can't, um, you know, go through a divorce and and be involved in ministry? No, that's not not at all what I'm saying. You know, we're not part of those denominational um, factions that that refuse to ordain you or credential you because you've been divorced. I, I think that is a horrific, and how is it that you can preach reconciliation and forgiveness, but yet then you look at someone who is ready to jump into ministry full time and give their heart and life to the ministry, and then as you get to know 
them, you say, well, we can't ordain you because your wife left you, even though it had nothing to do with you and you wanted to reconcile the marriage because, or your husband has left you and you wanted to reconcile the marriage, but because that didn't work out, you can no longer serve in full-time ministry. You cannot be a pastor. You cannot be credentialed or ordained. That's garbage, guys. Because if we're going to sit here and talk about reconciliation, then we got to talk about it full circle. And that goes for the people of God. That goes for, for churches, and that goes for ministry as well. Because we've got to look for what we've got to do to bring integration and oneness and wholeness back into our reality. What I'm saying in this passage, what, what I'm saying rather in this, in this um, aspect of our conversation right now, how do, when he said, how does my divorce affect my ministry? In other words, if you can compartmentalize and put these segments of your life away, what else are you ignoring that is laying under the surface that is going to grow some significant weeds and choke out all the good seed that God wants to sow into your life? And I've seen it throughout my life and I've, I, I, you know, I, I learned, I've learned things. We did a good job of passing along our gifts, our mantle, passing our ministries along, and, and maybe even transferring our anointing. But my generation has done a horrible job at character development. And God cares about character. God cares about integrity. You know, I've tried lifting weights with my boys, and, and they can lift more than I do, so I, I don't anymore when they're around, <laughs> they go and lift some weights with their friends, you know, from, from their football team and from their baseball team. And, and they go do that stuff. And, and I've seen some of their friends in person and I've seen some of their friends on social media. And listen, some of those boys, when they get, when, when they get, uh, you know, to posting a lot of stuff on social media after they get done working out, they look like the Terminator. You know why? Because they go through editing their photos and they, they put out a depiction that's really not truly who they are. I mean, they're wrapped and, you know, they're ripped and they're, you know, they're jacked up, but they don't even look like that, right? I mean, make us look like they got racks going across their abdomens. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a big guy. And then I see them in person. I'm like, you know, man, I, I think I, I can just like walk by you and my wind knock you over. You're not, you're not that big. The only thing that can happen is somebody be sorely disappointed when they see them because they don't look anything like those pictures. And that's exactly what our culture is doing right now. Our culture is teaching this generation to live a facade that your character, your integrity, you can just touch it up with a filter. You can just touch it up with a lie. You can just touch it up with deception. You can cover it up here and cover it up there. You don't really have to be who you are. Transgenderism is telling people now you can be whatever gender you want to be, however many there are in the world right now that they've come up with. When specifically the Bible is very clear that God made male and female. And it's amazing to me that we have Christians that are going along with this garbage in our culture that says you can be whatever gender you want to be. You're essentially saying that God somehow didn't know what he was doing and he made a mistake. Let me tell you, don't create an image that the real you will disappoint. We've got to get to the place where I'm all right with people knowing who I really am. Come on. We've got to get okay with, with people knowing what you truly look like. You've got to let the real you be so comfortable that you don't mind it being seen in public. We've got to be tired of living a double life and projecting an image in one crowd, but then going back home and looking into the mirror, but you don't like the person staring back at you. And you have to live with that person when nobody's watching. 
I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing a culture with fake, false images. Anybody tired of the masks? Not just, not just the masks in reality, but the, the facade that our culture represents. Anybody ready for God to develop you from the inside out to be a living epistle known by all people as one of character and one of integrity? And you know what that means? That means your yes means yes and your no's mean no. That there is no questioning or wondering whether or not, whether or not Pastor Todd really meant no when he said no. If I tell you no, no is the answer. If I say yes, yes is the answer. Because people do not listen to your words, they will read your life. So if your no does not represent your no in your life, in your actions, in your attitude, in your deeds, then they'll never trust a word that comes out of your mouth. You know, Jesus came to Simon. Remember this passage of scripture, and he said, Simon, thou art Peter. Because Jesus always sees everything after he finishes with it. He doesn't call you where you are. He calls you by where you're going. Because faith calls things that be not as though they are. Do you know the word Simon means reed, like a reed in a marsh? It means water. What is, what is water and what's the reed that's in the water? Water, to be more specific, takes on the shape of what you put it in. If I put something into a taller and skinnier bottle, then it's going to take the shape of that bottle, even though I just poured it out of, of its original water bottle. It's going to take the shape of whatever you put it in. If I put it into something taller and skinnier than, than, than the original bottle, it's going to take on that shape. So if God looked at him and said, Simon, water, you Simon, you take on the shape of whatever environment you're in. He's essentially saying to him, Simon, you have no core. You're so pliable. You take the shape of whatever environment you get in. How can I truly trust you? You have no form. If you're around this group, you deny me. If you're around that group, you love me. You're water and you take on the shape of whatever environment you're placed in. If that environment pressures you, you become something totally different than who you say you are. You are water, Simon. But then he says this, Simon, I'm going to tell you this. You're about to become Peter, Petra, a rock. You see, a rock changes the shape of what contains it and will displace what surrounds it. If you take an ice cube, two or three ice cubes, and you've filled up your, your glass of water to the top and you try to put one, two, or three ice cubes in that glass, what happens to the water? The water spills out. He's saying to Simon, you're solid. You're going you're gonna to have a great foundation. When I get through with you, you're not going to be the kind of person we can't depend on. And we don't know who you are going to, you know, who you're going to be on any given day. He said, you're going to be the kind of person that when you walk in a room, your core values and personality do not change based on how you feel emotionally or the pressures you feel from the outside. Instead, your core values will change the people who get around you instead because you're so solid. When you get put inside of a pliable environment, an environment that spills out because it's got no solid boundaries, Jesus is like, Simon, I'm going to put you in the middle of that and you will change the definition of what holds a thing. Your core values will change the people you get around. Let me ask you, does the environment you're in change you? Is there an environment that pulls out the best in you? 
Is there an environment that pulls out the worst in you? Because those are truly the kind that make me nervous. Those are the kind of people that make me nervous. Come on, when you get around people and, you know, they act schizophrenic in behavior and you don't know what kind of personality or what kind of person you're going to get from any given day based on their their emotional um, um, space or based on their feelings or based on what's happening at home or work or with their kids. I mean, you know, it's like you have, you have to kind of feel them out and say, are you good today? Are you okay today? Because I don't know what I can say or what I can't say or what I can do or what I can't do. You know, I don't want somebody to be in my world who is okay on Monday, but you can't even talk to them on Tuesday. It's like, weren't we just good yesterday? I want to know that you are the same on a bad day that you are on a good day. I want to know that you don't change in the time of blessing and when you are in the valley of the shadow of death. I want to know that right is right every single day of the week with you. I want to know that your yeses are yeses and your noes are noes. That there isn't a different set of values throughout the week, but when you show up on Sunday or Wednesday at church or when you're hanging out with somebody and you know, you're spending time with them that they really know who they're truly getting. And why is it while I'm on the topic, why is it that at church, we think we got to be somebody who we're really not. I love it when I, when, when, when people come up to me and they say, pastor, um, I think we've got somebody who uh, um, is doing pot because they just walked by and they smelled like marijuana. And I look at them and I say, that's great. They're in the right place. Um, pastor, um, I saw someone on social media that goes here to the church and they're using inappropriate language, foul language all over, uh, all over, um, um, their social media. And, uh, it's just, it's just not representing and reflecting this church. Right. I said, well, great. They're in the right place. God's going to get a hold of them. God's going to change them from the inside out. I got to know that there isn't a different set of values when nobody is watching than when, they're, when you're in public or when you're in a public setting. Be who you are. And if it doesn't mimic and model who God wants you to be, then we've got some work to do, right? I'm talking about the character development of God taking place on the inside of us where there is a set of standards that you are unwilling to let down. Listen, if you're, one, if you're somebody who in the middle of this contentious political culture, you're always telling people off, is that really how you want to be known? Is that truly how you want to reflect yourself? Is that truly how you want to model your family in the eyes of a culture who knows you're saved, who knows you go to church, who knows you have a relationship with Jesus? That's why the scripture says a perfect man is one that can tame his tongue because we all have a problem taming our tongue. But see, when we have good character, when we have great integrity, It works us from the inside out. And all of these things that we know are not beneficial to our relationship with God, they begin to change. There are lines that you will draw and those lines will not move. And for me, it shows up in my personal stuff too, because sometimes my wife will be like, you know, you're too hard on the kids or, you know, people will say, well, pastor Todd is, is, you know, is is too stuck in this. Why can't he just move a little bit? Well, I mean, if the Bible says one thing, it's not me not wanting to move. It's just, this is the line that the word of God has set in place. The difference is you don't have value in that. And I do. And I've had to tell people, I'm not trying to be overbearing. I'm not trying to be difficult, but I'm trying to tell you that the marriage bed, according to the word is not to be undefiled. And you're shacking up and sleeping with, with, with your boyfriend and your girlfriend. And you think I'm just going to sit here, know that and not say anything to you when you come to me because you got problems. Let's start with number one, quit shacking up. Get your life right. 
Get your life in order. Because if you know the Bible's full of firsts. And if you don't get the first thing right, everything that follows after the first thing that was supposed to be put in order, none of it matters because it's all out of order now. So when people come and say, Pastor, I'm, you know, uh, we, we, we can't get our relationship right and we're having all kinds of issues and, you know, we can't, we, we, we can't talk, we, we're fighting all the time. The first thing I say is, why are you living together? Well, we got to see whether or not, you know, we can really get through this stuff before we get married. Come on, y'all know you've heard that before. We, we got to test the water and make sure we're compatible. I mean, it's garbage. If we do relationships the way the word of God would tell us, tells us to do relationships, we would have a completely different marriage culture in our, in our society right now. But, you know, there, there are times when, when I need to be more flexible, especially with our kids growing up. You know, parents who've, you know, you've never had a teenager and your kid becomes a teenager. You look back on it and you're like, wow, I should have been more flexible. But I live my life as a very principled person. Principles will not change based on the culture or the feelings of those who oppose the standards in which you have held close to your character and have shaped your integrity. Truth does not change. It shouldn't change. This culture in 2022 tells you and I, we're not supposed to have any absolute value, any absolute truth, any absolute morality. And as our kids have grown up, we've had to specifically make sure they understand, listen, I know this is what your teacher says, but your teacher is not of the same spirit that we are. Your teacher is not living the same kind of life that we do. Your teacher does not believe in Jesus as their savior. And that's why they're telling you this. So because of that, their integrity is different. Their, their character is different. It does not model what we model as believers, as, as believers, because truth cannot change. I love to preach and teach the word of God because of that. You know, it's almost like a lost art form nowadays to get, uh, you know, to get into a service and teach the word of God and not just shout a whole bunch and have an emotional service. But, you know, some people just want an emotional experience with no theology of who God is and how that builds their character and integrity. And they reject any kind of accountability to the word. His word will never change. Let me, how, let me tell you how integral God is. God said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. His word's never going to change. So he said, I, be, I, I so believe in my character that I will sacrifice the universe in order to keep my word. He watches over his word to perform it. He will not send it out if it cannot do what he sent it out to do. That's why you've got to get in the word. You've got to know the word. You've got to experience the word. It's got to become uh, uh, washing, your, washing your mind and renewing your mind with the watering of the word has got to be something that you do on a regular basis. I had a, we had a little encounter and a little um, um, problem, um, not this past Sunday, this Sunday before. Security came up to me and interrupted me um, in a conversation that I was having with with some individuals and said, "Hey, just want to let you know, there's someone in the in in our in your atrium in the lobby that's that's making all kinds of derogatory comments about you." And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm used to being talked about outside the four walls of of the church, but not necessarily right after a service. Um, so I said, okay, well, you know, let me see what's going on. So why don't you bring them, you know, go, go find who it is and, and, you know, bring them into the, into the, um, the auditorium and, and we can have a conversation. So security went into the lobby area, found them and brought, you know, wanted to bring them back in, but they refused to come. 
So they came back in and said, you know, she's refusing to come in. I said, okay, well, what is she doing? Man, she's ripping you up, up and down out there, saying all kinds of things, saying you're blaspheming and you're, you know, you're saying, you know, uh, incorrect scripture and all that stuff. And I said, okay, well, I told the people I was talking with, hold on a minute, I'm going to be right back. Let me go see what this is about. So I walk out there and the person who's um, um, saying all kinds of stuff about me is stirring her coffee and mixing in her creamer. I guess she wanted to have her coffee before she left. Um, so anyway, they, they pointed her out to me and I ma- made my way over to her and I very calmly and gently went up and said, you know, excuse me, I'm, I'm Pastor Todd. Have you, you know, have I met you before? And she said, no, this is my first time. And I said, okay, well, I, I heard that there were some things that I said that upset you. Uh, is there anything that, that I can clear up for you or clarify, uh, you know, what was it that I said? And that day I was preaching on Abraham, on Sarah and Hagar and how uh, Abraham had a relationship with Hagar and ended up conceiving a child and um, did so at Sarah's request so that they could have a child. There, there could be a child in their midst. And then Sarah gets pregnant and, 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 and um, all of a sudden Hagar's child is picking on Sarah's child and the moms go at it and they have their encounter. And um, 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 Sarah tells Abraham, she's got to go. She's got to get out of here. I, I want her gone. And Abraham has to deal with that. So in that encounter, she gets upset that I said Abraham had a relationship with Hagar while he's in a marital relationship with Sarah. She just freaked out and lost her mind. And I said, ma'am, it's right here in the scripture. He's married to Sarah. Sarah said, you know, have a relationship with Hagar, conceive a child. She said, that is not what the Bible says. And I said, okay, well, what does it say? I know what the Bible says, and I'm not going to have this discussion with you. I said, well, I just read the scripture. We put it on our video wall. You could see it clear as day. You can look it up in your own Bible, the passage of scripture that we were talking about relating to Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. And the person that was with her looked at me and said, "Um, I'm so sorry. She's grown up Catholic, and that's all she knows. She's never been in a service like this. Listen, I have compassion for that. I understand not everyone has grown up reading the word, knowing the word, understanding the word. And so I looked at her and I said, listen, I'm sorry that you've never been taught this. I'm sorry that your priest has never uh, exposed you to this passage of scripture. But just because you never heard it in, in Catholic church doesn't mean that the scripture doesn't exist. This is the word of God. This is an encounter. This is an experience that happened. This is what I was talking about. So I encourage you to go read the word, okay? And then she began coming at me again. So finally, I looked at some of our security guys and I said, listen, if you guys can just um, um, stay with her for a few minutes and help escort her out of the building, that would be great. And as I began to walk away, she called me an a-hole and every, you know, everyone that was in that general area, you know, (laughs) turned around and looked to see what she was saying and what she was doing and (laughs) what was happening. I've never been called that, you know, in, in church before. But, um, you know, Lord bless her. I, I pray that she gets the deliverance and the, the, the um, spiritual awakening that she needs to walk in a complete uh, and whole future that she's not. I, I really do feel bad for people who've not had a true gospel preached to them and they've only heard specifics. They've only heard certain things, you know, taught to them by priests in, in, inside of Catholicism. Um, but one passage of scripture that comes to my mind is Isaiah 6, 3, and one called out to the other and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The root word for holy means one. 
See, this individual that confronted me and that had these issues, she's not one. She's got all kinds of stuff happening inside of her that is that that makes her reject portions of scripture that she's never been exposed to. When you're a person who has character, character protects you. Get, let me let, listen, listen, hear me now. Gifts don't protect you. Your titles will not protect you. Your self-proclaimed roles will not protect you. Accomplishments will not protect you. Money's not going to protect you. Character though, integrity will always protect you. I've been under accusations and pressure over the past two years. And while I address those things, because I believe that as a Christian, you're not called to be a doormat. You're called to confront things in the culture and push back on ungodly ideals and push back on, on the principles in our culture and the, the ideologues in our culture that try to prevent us from doing what God's called us to do. I believe we're supposed to push back, but we do it with a different spirit. We do it with the right spirit. But I would have people on, 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 on social media, you know, DM me or, or message me and say, well, if I were you, what I would say is this. But when you have character, you don't have to respond the way others do. When you have character, your life will speak for you. Understand, I've never had to defend myself for anything because I, well, when I became an adult, obviously as a teenager, you do because you teenagers are always right. So you defend everything to your parents. But when I became an adult and really began to grab hold of the character and the integrity of my life, I stopped trying to defend myself because I've tried to do the right thing in every situation, in every scenario. And people will see me live it out because I was a living testimony of what I believed. Now, when other people don't like that, you know, they kind of get irritated with you. They call you names, but that's fine. You don't change your standards to fit the emotionally and mentally unstable capabilities of others who don't like what you're doing. Living epistles understand that character will police you. We have to police people that have no character. You know, people that have no character often go to prison. They have to have physical barriers to surround them because they don't have any internal barriers to keep them grounded. People who have character never end up in places with physical boundaries because their boundaries are invisible on the inside of them. So what they do is they seal themselves up within the boundaries of their core values and they never have to worry about not being protected because their integrity and their character guard and protect them all the time. People of character don't have to be policed because they can police themselves from the inside out. Let me ask you, what kind of character do you have right now, especially in this culture? Say, what, say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, do you call in coughing? <coughs> uh, I'm sick. I, I, I can't come into work today. But as soon as you get off the phone, you get dressed and go shopping. When the bank teller gives you your, your cash back after cashing a check, and they give you brand new crisp 20s, and there's a 20, an extra 20 stuck to a bill, and they gave you $20 more, do you go back? around or you'd go inside the bank to, and, and return it or do you say thank you Jesus for the extra blessing listen that wasn't Jesus supplying your needs I would venture to say that was God checking your integrity what do you do when the item in the store is broken do you put it back on the shelf and not pay for it or do you go up account for it admit to it and pay for it when you back up and dent somebody's car, do you look around to see if you can drive off or do you leave a note with your info? Say, call me as soon as possible. You see, people who have no character are always looking over their shoulder for the moment that they're going to get caught. 
People who have character live in peace because they know they do the right thing, even if nobody is looking. The most restless people I've ever seen are the people who refuse to live right, so they're always under the anxiety of, when am I going to get caught? When am I going to get discovered? Character, understand, is the seed for trust. This generation that I'm specifically speaking to right now, we're in a dangerous place, especially in ministry. You say, why? Why are we in a dangerous place in ministry? We have more large ministries led by a younger generation than ever before. We have more influential young people on social media than any time in history right now. And the danger is that our gift has got us way out in front of our character. That our gifts have got us way out in front of our integrity. And then God has to go through a very painful process with you. This is why I had great um, compassion even though it was irritating to be called an a-hole as I walk away and I go back to pray over people and minister to people back inside the auditorium a couple of Sundays ago, I have great compassion for her because I feel for her. I feel for the, the torment that she's going through spiritually, emotionally, mentally. That to hear an account in scripture was mentally tough for her possibly based on some things that she's experienced in her life. I don't know, but I don't know about you, but there have been things that I've read in the scriptures that have triggered some thoughts and triggered some emotional responses because of things that I've gone through. And then God confirms it or God shows something in scripture and it brings you back to that place again. I mean, look at Jacob. Jacob had a great calling. God changed his name to Israel. In other words, God looked at Jacob and said, I'm going to pull a nation out of you. Can you imagine that in, 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 in all of the, the inadequacies that we carry within our own life, to God, for God to look at us and say, I'm going to pull a great nation out of you. You see, the nation was within him. What a, what a heavy responsibility. And God changed his name to a nation, the nation of Israel, God's own chosen people. But the word Jacob means trick. So in other words, he had a great calling, but did not have great character. Because when you have a great calling, but you try to manipulate your way there, God will set you aside to do some work on you. So God entered this wrestling match with Jacob, and it was not a win or lose match, but rather it was a match for brokenness. It was a time where God took him to task so he could break him. And when he got up off that wrestling mat, he had a limp. And that limp is an analogy today of people who walk broken before the Lord, but they understand that doing right before God means more than my gift or my anointing and my success. It drives me absolutely crazy when people are going after their success and they're going after the platform and they're going after the microphone rather than allowing God to grow their anointing and strengthen their anointing and, and challenge their gift to go to a new level. That means doing right by people, doing right by God and being honest by myself when nobody's looking. That right there is powerful in this generation. And God wrestled with Jacob all night long until he pounded him in his hip. Why? Because Jacob's character was hard to change and difficult to form. Is that you? Is God having to put you on the mat and just beat the snot out of you right now in this season because you are being difficult to change? and form into who God wants you to be. And God said, if you're going to be this nation, I want you to be, you're going to have to change who you are. Because right now, Jacob, you're a trickster, a liar, a deceiver, a manipulator, stole your brother's birthright, 
It's the core of who you are, and God had to wrestle with him to get it changed. I want to suggest to you that that's what God is doing in our culture right now. God won't wrestle you over your gifts. He won't wrestle you over your skills, but he will wrestle you and pin you down on that mat over who you are morally and what your values and integrity are. And I'm saying that it's time that we let God develop all of us And he will let us do what we're supposed to do when we become who we're supposed to become. We don't need to be busy about doing. We need to be busy about becoming. Because if I can become what God wants, then I can do what God wants. Because there's a life I can live and I can never stumble. I'm telling you right now in the middle of a culture that is seemingly lost and is seemingly in in despair and, and segregated and separated based on political pressures and political ideologies. I'm telling you right now that we can be one as the people of God. Stop fighting over the mass. Stop fighting over the vaccination stuff. Just let that conversation begin to, uh, you know, eradicate from your, your, your normal, your normal use of, of words. Let, let Just change the interaction that you have with people and watch the dynamic begin to shift. People are so focused on what's happening politically and morally, uh, 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 rather politically in this country that morally and ethically we've lost. We're in a place right now of losing the morality and the ethics of what God has called you and I as the people of God to bring into the earth. See, we're vessels. The only way the kingdom is going to be released in the earth is when you and I become active in our faith. I'm not talking about Bible thumping. I'm talking about going and being an expressive epistle, a living epistle to those who we surround ourselves with, those we interact with. God is about to do something great in this generation, great in this culture. And I want to tell you, just like Peter tells us in this passage of scripture that I read, If we practice these things, we will never stumble. There is a way to live in this culture. There is a way to live this life right now inside of this society where you and I can never stumble. It's right there in the scripture. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Second, or go back and read it. Second Peter chapter one, beginning in verse two through 10. Read that passage of scripture. Let it root in you. Let it challenge you in your conversation. Let it challenge you in your walk with God, in your interaction with people. God is up to something good and he's challenging the people of God. He's testing our faith. He's checking our ears. He's looking at what kind of vision we have for our future. God is up to something good. So what do you see? What do you hear? What are you discerning? What is happening right now in your life that's going to bring you to a place where God can anoint you to fulfill the greatest calling for a season like this. You were born for this, but don't let your gift get out in front of your character and in your integrity. It's time to develop it. It's time to allow the the biblical morality of heaven to go before us. Listen, you are a world changer. God's got great things in store for your life, for your family, for your future, for your calling, for everything that he's put at your disposal. God is about to show up in this brand new season and do a mighty thing. I love you. I believe in you. I believe in God's calling over your life. Go change the world and change somebody's life with the power of the kingdom. God bless you. I love you. I'll catch you on another episode of Shatterproof. Share this podcast. Share this episode. Get people connected with what God is doing through Shatterproof. And I will see you on the next episode. Go be a world changer. Go change the world with the power of the gospel.